Welcome to the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast. We are back and we are talking Wasp. I'm not going to call it a Wasp chat. That's like just so doesn't work when you're talking about Wasp. <laughs> wasp is more, I mean, when you're throwing meat and, you know, you're you're taping nuns up to a, a, a torture device and you've got Chris Holmes doing Chris Holmes animal things and then you've got Blackie going all fetish dark um no down and dirty sounds good yeah all right Wasp so, so down and dirty we 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 are go- getting down and dirty into the ass end of the and the assless chap end of the <laughs> wasp catalog so of course i am joined by andy and bill to go through the wasp catalog this is a mission that we've set ourselves because people don't do enough podcasts about wasp unless it's uh well you know who talking on decibel geek i don't know i have no clue <laughs> actually randy randy's done some podcasts as well so i haven't seen blackie out and about doing any which is a real shame so uh, we, we're going to give some respect to the catalog well, so that well, was pretty cool that uh baco had a he's do does a one-on-one series when he when loose isn't on the show with him on cobras and fire and he brought in the guy from blame your brother and his goal was to try to convince the guy to become a wasp fan so he had like he came up with like ten songs to try to convert him to being a Wasp fan. So we got Baco in our corner. So nice. <laughs> well, that, that's a good one to have in your corner, and we'll do that at the end when we finished our wrap up on all the studio albums um, that we're gonna feature. Well, we're going all the way to the end. Uh, we're gonna come back with an episode where we do our best of Wasp episode, and we'll take you know twenty songs from each one of us that we think are the best and then combine them into a list to create a a unified best of wasp list and uh you know but for now let's get back to neon god when we last left you many months ago we had of course talked about neon god volume one so do go back and check out that episode uh perhaps listening to this one because it's very tough i have not been listening to a lot of wasp in the interim been very busy with other stuff but we're going to be picking back up with the culmination of blackie's story which is, of course, well, originally titled Volume Neon God, Part 2, The Demise. <laughs> so this album was released September the 28th, 2004, via Noise and Sanctuary. And I checked that because it's wrong on Wikipedia. So I went back. Uh, Blabbermouth had the original uh, press release that it was getting released. And Blackie was going back and forth between tour and studio trying to get this volume done in time to get it out. Um, and it's the second album with guitarist Daryl Roberts. Mike Duda is, of course, on bass. Frankie Benali rest in peace uh, on drums on all songs except Wishing Well. Uh, actually, am I on, on the right fucking album? No, those you're are on still, the wrong album. Those are my ben notes of the first on. freaking one. So, um, yeah, we'll just move on from that. So let's get ben straight Howland into it. Howland is the drums on all, the entire yeah, album. Yeah, he took well. he took over at that point and was doing all the drumming. So yeah. it's the third album with Daryl. And uh, 
there we go. That's what happens when you do shows and you do half the work to prepare for them and not the rest. So impressions of the cover art. Um, I don't think I had much great to say about the last one. I do think the album art looks really good on that background now that I've tweaked the colors. But in terms of just everything on the look at the package, Bill, uh, you know, thoughts on that? And you've only got the booklet there. But uh, well, I, I like that it's a, the darker side of it because, you know, the uh, first the neon god one you know was a much brighter color and you know there was the images of naked humans blending into the background and all kinds of stuff like that but you know when you look at this one all you can think is smashes thrashes and neon gods (laughs) (laughs) yeah it it does have somewhat kiss overtones to all of us that do love that band and of course smashes thrashes and hits was the 1988 compilation by that band if you didn't know their highest selling album of the unoriginal era andy art do you even care or is it just the music well to be honest with you when the album came out i didn't even get my hands on a friend got his hands on it and i could never find it so this was actually my original copies so i had no cover no nothing so i was like and i tried finding this for a long 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 time and i could never find it then when i finally got it it's all right i mean whatever (laughs) seriously whatever nothing special nothing great yeah i didn't i didn't even buy it back in the day when when this album came out i couldn't find it and i it just then they kind of fell off my radar i i was too wrapped up in other things by that point so it wasn't a big deal but you know what as far as art goes it continues the theme set and i think bill nailed it um you know that it shows the darker side because that's where we are in the story and You know, having to go back and read all those liner notes again (laughs) to refresh one's memory of the road that, uh, you know, Judah, Jesse and all the other characters have kind of traveled in the narrative took a bit of going. I mean, I'm glad I scanned it in because the freaking magnification just really helps. But, uh, you know, how do you describe the album in comparison to part one? Does it feel like a follow-on, or does it feel like a separate kind of chapter, Bill? I think it's, it definitely feels like a follow-on. Uh, it, it definitely brings the you know the madness and the mayhem of the first version into what leads into the the eventual demise. And I think it's it's really a great follow-on. Yeah, what about you, Andy? Do you take it as, you know, a part of a complete story, or does it stand well enough on its own? They can go both ways. I mean, originally it was supposed to go together, and according to Blackie, if I remember right, that he wanted it to be a double CD, and it was the record company that told him, no, it'd be too expensive to put together as a double CD. And Blackie was, I guess, said, uh, I remember this. I don't know why I remember this so good weird so anyways, he had said that that he wanted to go together to be one package and people would pay you know a couple whatever i paid the extra bucks to get it all in one shot but the record company said no it's it's too much it's too much packaging we can't put it together It'd be too expensive to pack it together which is kind of crazy by then they you know you could put two discs in basically one thing nowadays or even back then and so you know this came what eight months later this, you know, the part two came out eight months later, so it got kind of lost. And like I said, I couldn't find it. You know, my friend found one copy someplace, and he's I'm like, dude, I got I got to take it from you, bring it to work, and sorry, got to got to steal it. 
because I, I can't find it. <laughs> so, hey, but it can go either way, I think. It could stand on its own. You know, if you kind of, you know, if you're not, I guess, I guess if you don't follow the story, you could go on its own. If you're following the story from head to toe, you got to put them together. Yeah, so yeah, part one. Inter- I'm sorry, part one, like if, if you're wanting this to stand on its own it with a story, part one definitely has to go into it. So it's kind of one of those catch-22s where at one point I had made a comment uh, that uh, you can't really judge a concept album the same way you can like The Last Command, where there's not necessarily a, a, a thread running through it all. So if you if you try to dive into the second half, you know, that's like, uh, you know, like watching the Star Wars trilogy. You come in at movie two, you move a lot. You lose a lot of things that's in the story at, at movie one or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, I think at, at musically, yeah, it could stand on its own. But, I mean, if you're really immersed into the lyrics and the story, then you definitely have to have volume one. Well, are we are we at that age we get lost with Star Wars anyways? Is it the first movie that we saw in the seventies? One of the last ones now or something? Yeah, the first one is the sixth one, and or the first one is the fourth one or something like that. Why, whatever. Yeah, (laughs) first one's the only one. Yeah, (laughs) good answer. All all downhill from there. So I I find it interesting that Blackie at the time, you know, you're talking about how he wanted a double CD set, you know, but was kind of shot down by the label. But yet here he is already out on tour for the first part of the Neon God tour and running back to the studio to finish recording it. So um, I think there's possibly a little bit more to it than that though they may have said no we're not putting it all out in one shot in which case he then only recorded what he needed for the first part and then shifted the dynamics when it was time to approach the second one which is fair enough i I think you know this is supposed to take us through the plot climax to resolution and ending as a standalone it's really difficult for me to sit there and say you know what i'm in the mood to listen to neon god part two today I, I I don't really separate them out into to different albums, even though each one is symbolic as a part of the story, you know, the the beginning and the end. But I don't think the halves are equal by any stretch of the imagination. So, Andy, how how does uh, the Neon God plot go for you for this? And does it work? Do you follow it like you did part one, or where's it at for you? I think, uh, actually, I think the part two is better than the part one. I think the songs are better in part two than they are in part one. I, I don't know. That's me. <laughs> More conflict. I mean, but if, you, if you follow the story, you know, some people like, you know, don't want to follow the story. I mean, it is kind of a, it is kind of a pain. I mean, it's a long, especially at the end, you know, it's this person's talking to this one, this one's right. I mean, you gotta, I mean, I printed it out. I mean, I had to print out all the lyrics. It's like the last redemption. I mean, it's it's super long. I mean, look at it, front, back, <laughs> another front. I mean, it's so long. And it's you know, it's it's uh, you know, Judah talks to Jesse. Jesse talks to Judah. Judah talks to his mother. Da, 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 back and forth. It's the same voice. You know, it's Blackie's voice. So it's kind of sometimes it does take a little bit to catch on. <laughs> you know, but musical wise, I think it's better than the first one. Yeah, plot wise, I find it impenetrable. And that's because I have a problem with single voice concept albums 
where one person's playing all the roles and doesn't have enough dynamics in their voice to shift around to be absolutely clear of what they're doing. I also don't like having to do that much thinking. When you think of the size of the instruction manual Neon God 1 comes with, uh, there's not much in Neon God 2, uh, the demise, compared to that. So it really does assume that you've done your homework before listening to it. So I, I think maybe at my age now, I just don't want to think that much when listening to music. You know, I, I kind of want it to just take me where it's going to be. So occasionally I will focus in on lyrics and phrases, but I'm more about the vibe of the music these days. Bill, what about you? Yeah, I think uh, the, uh, of course, an episode wouldn't be complete without me comparing this to The Who, because, uh, and another one of those is going to come up in the later on, but uh, I think that the, I agree with Andy that musically it's better than the first one, but there's a lot more detailed storytelling in Neon 1. And it, it, the uh, Neon 2 tends to have more... That's like, well, I picked three singles out of the out of the songs that you know could actually just be standalone singles just from the way they're written, just from the way they're not trying to have five different voices. And you know, where you mentioned the one voice for all the characters... It's like the last couple songs, Blackie decided to change his voice for Judah when he could have done that in the first part and made it seem more so much more sens sensible. You know, where it was more of a speaking voice than a singing voice, but he sang it all the way through volume one. But, uh, you know, that's the thing is uh, the. Uh, would you be able to dive into Tommy disc two? without listening to disc one i don't think so i i think that the story you know has to be cohesive all the way through and uh as far as the cost thing back to that previous uh subject there you're talking cds these things were probably costing you know 25 cents to make you know and like andy said you could get the two 25 cent disc put them in the same box don't tell me about cost but <laughs> you know the, the printing was probably the most expensive part, period. And they'd already printed up, you know, the instruction manual for Neon 1. So why not throw a couple extra pages on the back of it? You know, if you eliminate the uh, the uh, endorsements and the, the band listing, you know, you've only got like four pages of text anyway. And uh, one thing I thought about it is that the... Uh, if the, the, the song lyrics were transitioned through the story in order, it, it would make a lot more sense. But, uh, but I do think the plot works. And, uh, I mean, it actually works on a better level than part one. Interesting. You know, I think Judas Priest could have saved some money by doing an EP of Nostradamus first before releasing that as a double CD in packaging, which uh, <laughs> they didn't learn their lesson on that one. Let's dig into the song by song on this. First song, Never Say Die, great opening track. Um, and this is one where I think there's good separation between the characters that, uh, you know, Blackie's kind of portraying vocally. But it's a great way to open an album, even if you're just going to take that album on its own as a standalone listening experience, which I've already said I, I, I tend to favor. Bill, I'm going to go back to you on that for your thoughts on the first song. Yeah, that's that was like uh, I basically have single worthy number one, because this can be 
it, it fits into the story well. And of course, if you're reading along with the lyrics, then it fits the, into the, the story as a the whole. But I mean, it, it can stand completely on its own as a, as a wasp song, you know, just as much as like, a, you know, blind in Texas or whatever. Yeah, or I want to be somebody. Never say die. Exactly. You know, both yep. both similar sorts of waspish anthems. Andy, first thing, you know, you turn it on, it's like never say die, never say die, never say die. Just hit you right away. You know what I mean? Just right into it. No, no games. No, you know, fooling around. No nothing. And you gotta say, man, Blackie's voice at that time was like mint, serious mint. If you, you know, like uh, where is it? Pot, pot. I don't say near the end of the song, but. He does a couple like screams and yells that are like, I, I, you know, everybody's heard Blackie give it a high pitch, but a couple of those ones are super high pitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like ah, for the guy who's got that kind of voice, you know. So yeah, I I like this song. If we're doing if we're doing it like say like one out of five or one out of four, I give this song about a four four and a half stars. You know what I mean? That this is just bang right right at you right in your face. Go. You know, put it in the car. This is the one you put in the, you're in the car. You know, you're not listening to the words per se. You know, you're not getting deep into the story. You're just slapping it in the car and you're driving. You know, and you're like, never say that, never say that. <laughs> you know, right into it. So, catchy I chorus. Yep, yeah, like a four and a half stars. So, that's my take. <laughs> yeah, I think if Bill says single worthy, you say four and a half stars, and I say catchy chorus, that's a pretty positive response. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. Resurrector. And this one really makes it easy for a person like me to understand it in terms of where it fits into story and digest the lyrics. So thank you, Blackie, for telegraphing something that I didn't have to open up the vanual to read about. I love the chorus <laughs> on this, and I also think it's a fantastic solo. Bill? Yeah, definitely. And it's a cool transitional piece that really gets you settled back into the story. You know, there, there, like, there's no hook like "Never Say Die" in it. You know, so that eliminates it from being a, a single worthy. But it, it's necessary for the album. It's necessary for keeping the story moving, and it's well done. Uh, you're going to hear it well done a lot as we discuss this one musically, because everything performance-wise is really top notch. And I'm, I'm finally starting to get over the symbol thing because the symbols. <laughs> The symbols are apparently the same symbols that everybody who's digitally recorded anything for the past 25 years has used. So it's really only been upgraded like in the past 10 years where there's better drum sounds and symbols. But I was getting uh, worried. We're into the second song and you hadn't mentioned anything about drumming <laughs> yet. So I was, I was actually just about to ask you, you know, where where your mindset was on the sonics yeah. of the album, because I think it's very consistent. If they weren't recorded at the same time, Blackie did a good job of keeping things so that when I combine both of these albums and play sequentially, I can't tell the difference that they're two um separate albums recorded you know released and recorded at different times during the year right and and stet's drumming is on on top game you know he would probably i would probably put him in like you know number two of uh, my favorite wasp drummers and definitely you know frankie would be number one and then probably tony richards as the third but stet is just on the money through the whole record andy resurrector it's, it's a good, it's okay song. It's not the one of my favorites, but it's okay. I give it about a three. 
you know, it's, um, you know, I don't know. It's one of those weird things. You go from never say die, never say die. It's a resurrection, you know, a little bit off. But again, like you guys are saying, the drumming, the guitar work, everything. It's just so good at this stuff, you know. So that's my take. Pretty. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> yeah, and I've got two stars next to the title, which means I like it a lot. So, um, you know, there you go. I, I, I don't do f out, out of five rankings. So let's get into the demise. Uh, and, and Andy, back to you on the demise because you're really uh, quick on the other one. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's okay too. I mean, I I again, it's like almost one of those things. I've been trying to re get myself more into this album because listening into it, you know, when you get free, when you just first listen to it, you just listen, and now I'm just trying to like read the words as now I'm listening to it. So it, I get kind of lost. <laughs> you get lost now, never. So, anyways, uh, and I'm not really a Christian all that religion stuff so all that stuff is uh, kind of irks me <laughs> but the song and the music wise it's it's good i give it a, another three so you're not Next. into listening to the hymn and reading the manual at the same time either uh <laughs> you know what it, it, it'd be no yes and no depending i guess on the mood you know what what day is this if i'm just gonna be hanging around okay miles are just you know today i'll like, oh yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah and then other days you're kind of like Say you're doing stuff in your house or whatever you're doing, you're kind of walking around, running around, and you just want to hear the music. So, it all I guess just depends. Depends on the day and the time. Who has any time though anymore, right? No one. <laughs> we're all out, we're all out of time. Straight out of time. The demise title track. I have problems with it. You know, it's a bit too obvious the title, but you know, I find it musically powerful. But content-wise, it seems to be less about dem uh, demise but about Jesse reaching the pinnacle of the lie. So maybe that is the demise that you've, you've gone all the way up to the top of the mountain and you know, that's where the cracks in the facade start appearing in the next song. So maybe the demise was getting diluted completely to the top. Bill, you gave me a thumbs up. I'm, I'm really I, I gave you a thumbs up because apparently I like to use words that world famous authors use. And the word is pinnacle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I, I actually have here in my notes I have the pinnacle leading to the shocking turnaround in the story and and I agree with you that the demise is a lousy name for it because it's really it's really a climax you know it's the peak where everything changes everything's getting ready to change you know the last gasp of uh, you know it'd be like uh where where a, a sports figure would like win their their last big game before everything goes to hell in a handbasket, and that's what's coming up next. And that's and I also mentioned here in, in my notes that uh, this is where the lyrics being printed inside the story would have been more beneficial. Maybe that was on the last one. No, that was on this one. But uh, you know, it, it it's it's just there was so much decadence and you know jesse was so full of himself in this and like they say it's all about the change that's right so why don't you take us into that next song clockwork mary okay and that's a and that's where i think it's really an important turning point and uh as i was as i was writing my notes for this i was kind of thinking it's like okay well mary isn't you know he he kind of 
made light of her in the beginning. You know, it was like my father was this and he was, you know, this great person and I admired him. He was my hero and my mom was okay. And then she turned into a drug using whore or whatever. And then, uh, the, uh, you know, maybe had he not encountered Mary at that point that, uh, maybe the, this turnaround wouldn't have happened, but where, uh, he he blamed you know he he credited her for giving him life and then he condemned her for giving him away and then as he encounters her at this point in the story maybe she is the catalyst that throws him back into hey you're living you're you're living a lie you need to turn it around even though he's kind of uh, He's he's not very nice to her in this part of the story. But, I mean, she may have been the catalyst to make him realize that what he was living was a lie. Yeah, so this one I actually consider to be the demise, the song. Um, It's a nice change of pace musically. And, I mean, my initial note was, oh, great, a mommy song. My next note was, oh, thank God Jim Morrison didn't write this one. Um, (laughs) But it seems that Mary's voice is missing in the song. This really needs more of a different characterization in the voice. Almost needs to be a duet with some, you know, power or metal or, you know, from Scandinavia, um, you know, to be that callback or that echo you know, across both his time and experience. And I find it too open-ended. So it doesn't really provide um, blame or justification or a mirror. So, you know, it's again, I I like it as a change of pace, but in terms of the the song, that's where I start having problems with the story and, you know, how it's being presented. But it's also remembering the limitations under which Blackie's working. You know, he's basically a one-man show um, and doing, taking all of these voices on his shoulder or (laughs) getting those voices out of his head. So, Andy. Yeah, you, you hit it. Like I was saying earlier, sometimes it's hard to figure out who's talking to who when he's singing the song. You know, like you said, would have been nice if he had got some woman or whoever to sing the woman parts and back and forth and the whole back and forth. And you guys are right, though. This is where this this is where he finds out that he's basically not a god and nothing, basically, you know. My mom had me, gave me away, threw me away, a piece of garbage. All of a sudden, she shows back up. <laughs> what do you say about that? Go away now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get, get, just get lost. You know what I mean? You know, I I know some people. See, I, I guess some people might relate more to this song than, like, say me. Uh, you know, I had always I had a good relationship with my parents and stuff, so I can't really, you know what I'm saying? It, I never had that kind of issues, you know, but. Maybe somebody has, you know, people have, and that's why they enjoy this kind of stuff in their way more than we might in our, in our way. You know what I'm saying? Getting that right, trying to get that out right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Jesse's just figuring out that he's really no better than his mother and everything he blames and accuses her of being. So, you know, oh, and, there, and sometimes in life you have things that might on the surface look like the worst thing that ever happened to you, but it could be the thing that rescues you. Mm. So, you know, that's the thing is like a, oh, well, you know, if I hadn't, if I hadn't got, 
thrown out the front door, I wouldn't have fallen off the building. Or I don't know. I'm just making shit up. But I mean, you, that's the thing is you you do have bad experiences that happen to be the turnaround points in your life. And, you know, mom showing up, it was like, okay, it may, it may not have been the the impact of the car crash, but it's definitely the tires squealing to where things are starting to come to a stop. Yep. And, and don't forget what's going on in Blackie's life at this time as well, because all of that ties back in with uh, kind of where he's writing from. You know, it's the beginning of some changes to his life. So tear down the walls. I've got two asterisks next to this, which means I like it, but my notes don't really indicate that. Um, another real me-ish analog, but I love the keyboards. Andy, tear down the walls. Uh, it's okay, too. It's another... You know, yeah, like you said, he's got a lot of keyboards. He's, he loves he loves the keyboards ever since the Idol, right? You think the no, Idol? Was... He he started on the keys. Circus. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's he true. He brought yeah. Ken Hensley in on. Well, Ken Hensley was on a that was headless, wasn't it? Headless. Yeah. Yeah, the headless. But headless. There, there was some keys on uh, Electric Circus as well. So. Well, there's a difference between some and all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but at least they're deep purplish. Yeah, I, I get or you. Or Uriah Heepish, if we're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I get you. The song's okay. It's not one of my favorites either. But I mean, he, they, uh, I just, I, I, I mean, this is, again, this, Neon 2 is better than Neon 1, but these are not my favorite Wasp albums. <laughs> not even close on the top of of. The whatever, how many they put out now? 13, 15, whatever the hell it is with compilations. So these two are not even on the list, on the uh, <clears throat> top list area, close. But, you know, it's okay. It's just, I don't know. Like you said, just getting older and I just don't want to listen to word things. I just want to hear the music, you know? And the guys, and the thing is too, again, I'll say it again, Blackie's voice is just phenomenal. It seems to be so good, and the guys playing are great too. It's all that stuff, and I don't know. I think get mad too because this is where too. This is where they stopped touring in the United States. That was it. So the Neon God, they saw the tour. They came after that. It was all done. So from that year, 2004 till now, it's been nothing. So that kind of irks me too. So man. So anyways, the song's okay. Next, somebody else go. <laughs> Bill. Uh, well, and I call this uh, single worthy as well. Has two great guitar solos in it, and uh, the the hook and the chorus is just awesome. And I I brought up uh, you don't get much more uh, Uriah Heep than that keyboard outro, and uh, you know that's the thing about it is you end up finding the uh, the two comparisons that keep coming back to Wasp or the Who and and Uriah Heep and yeah, I, I just think it's a great song. And you know where we were talking about a. It may not necessarily be an album to, you know, walk around and do stuff in the house. I actually did that today. I was like, well, I'm going to get one more spin on it before I meet up with the guys. And so I threw it on YouTube and just had it blasting through the speaker, making my coffee and you know making my breakfast and all that stuff. And I was just kind of like, I'm walking around listening to Neon God too, doing my daily doing. <laughs> and it was cool, you know. That's the thing about it is, I was, all of a sudden, I looked down and was like, "Oh wow, it's almost over." 
because, uh, you know, I actually kind of started like the last 15 minutes of it and then I hit replay and I made it right back to where I was at. And it wasn't like really, there wasn't really anything skip worthy on it. So, but here we are, what, what, one, two, three, four, four songs in and, you know, two songs I would call singles. Yeah. Yeah, I probably didn't do the wisest thing. I had a six-hour Rolling Stones playlist followed by uh, Pink Floyd, Division Bell <laughs> before doing this episode. So I don't know my headspace is in the right place for it. Come back to black. For me, everything's syncing nicely with the story on this song. Um, it, it, it needs the training wheels have come off for me. So it just strikes me how hellishly uh, you know creative Blackie is on a song like this in particular. Is the elements really come together with combining telling a story with it being easily digestible and catchy as hell. I mean, come back to black is just <laughs> way too catchy. Um, even if you think Klaus Meiner should be singing it, it's very Scorpions. I think they had a song uh, in recent years with the same title. So, uh, Bill, back to you on that. Oh, and this was another one I called single worthy. And, uh, you know, it's easy to separate from the context of the story, but it does fit into the story. You know, it's where Judah's pleading for Jesse to, you know, what we have is good. You know what? It's, it's good for us. It's good for the congregation, you know, come back to this. And, uh, so it fits the story that way, but it could also be a standalone single with a scary as hell video. And it has two great guitar solos in it. I mean, Daryl is, you know, off the chain on this record. So, I'm, and that's a, the weird thing, you know, where Blackie, he's developed the reputation, especially with a lot of the stories that come out about him now, where he's, you know, this controlling and he's, you know, doing this to this guy and, you know, basically ripping people off that's in his own band or whatever, you know, he gives Daryl a lot of leeway to do some really good guitar soloing on this album. And he gets two of them in this song. Yeah. And he's the creative force behind Wasp, you know, for all these years, all these albums through all these different players as well. So you got to give credit where credit's due, even if in the early years, there was a little bit more to it than, uh, you know, certainly the case, but, uh, he's certainly steering that ship perfectly fine. Andy, is this single worthy? Oh yeah. That, just like you said, so catchy back come back to black he next to you're walking around and you come back and it first song you first you listen to that this album first thing that song sticks right out out of all of them because it keeps coming at you keeps coming at you come back to black i know it sounds simple but it's the whole hook thing and it works this is an awesome song like bill said the solos man just keep going and going and going and like you said he lets them rip you know definitely this would be if I was putting out the single, this would be the first one. If I wanted to hit, if everybody right in the face, this, you know, okay, kind of more catchy, more more radio. I would say radio. Imagine that wasp radio, but anyways, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You know, more catchy, more that way. But this would do. Yep. This is probably my favorite song off the whole album. This this one. Yep. Bingo! Yeah. All right, let's <laughs> stay with you for all my life. The next one. All my life. It's all my life. Oh my it's life. not the Foo Fighters. It's not the Foo Fighters. It's not the Foo Fighters? Uh, it's all right. Where would I get? Oh, where'd I get? Did I get everything mixed up? Oh, yeah. What did I do with this? Get all the words. I got all my stuff. All Oh, okay. To me, all my life has that... To me, it has that Crimson Idol feel. 
music wise i don't know why but it does so i like it but it's like huh it's kind of weird is this like an old song like from back way back then like brought up to now because it does it has that criticism idol kind of tone and feel to it i like it though but it just definitely i wonder if it's an older song all these years later <laughs> yeah all his life there's a couple of musical motifs that start with crimson idol and still not black enough that seem to rear their heads as echoes <laughs> on every album in the years since bill all my life yeah well i never really thought about it being the the crimson idol reference but uh if you think about it the crimson idol is a a story of redemption just the same as this is <clears throat> so it, it kind of kind of bridges the two of them together i basically just had a you know it was a general reflective piece and it was really good for the setup to the conclusion of the story yeah and i, I guess crimson i don't want to be the, your crimson idol the crimson idol is the same as not wanting to be you know your neon god so there there's kind of your crossover at a very very high level but i think maybe this song is finally the demise because Jesse's realizing what he's become and and the self-loathing in it, you know, really seems to be almost anguishing. When, when you finally kind of take your mask off, you look in the mirror and it all becomes obvious. That's what I get, you know, and, and let's move on. Destinies to come. Neon Dion Bell. Well, it's certainly not about Deion Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there looking at Neon Dion, and I'm like, why would you even name it that? But okay. Uh, I, I have a, you know, it's basically the antagonist's final view of Jesse in an effort to battle him before the whole charade comes to an end, you know. And it's kind of like the, you know, like, well, I guess in the Christmas spirit with Die Hard, you know, it'd be Hans Gruber talking, uh, talking all the shit that he could before he ends up flying off the side of the building. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically, you know, just Judah getting his, his last raps in before it's all over. And I mean, it's, it's well-performed and, you know, fits into the story. Great. What I got. Yeah. This one I've got the most notes on of any of the songs on the album. I'm like, first of all, this is a musical steamroller on the album as much as XTC Riders was on the first. Uh, and it serves a similar function to me that that song did it on volume one. It's the ultimate betrayal. And with a name like Judah, I guess no one saw that coming, did they? Um, you know, and of course it was for the proverbial silver and a public execution. Heard that story before as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it's musically the most powerful song for me because there's, just like I said with XTC Riders, there's something on that 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 song will be on my best of wasp um and i don't know about this one i'll have to wait to see as i narrow down my playlist for the best of wasp episode andy destinies oh. to come it's uh you can see the the end is near <laughs> you know the, the uh-oh we're gonna say goodbye <laughs> oh i don't know i just uh, i just I can't, I can't get into the lyrics. Is, I mean, the lyrics stuff is. I just like listening to music right now with it. You know, it's okay. It's not the like I said. It's I, I give it about a two. I'm, I'm not as crazy about it. I mean, it is what it is. 
I got, got like I said, I'm getting kind of like, uh, okay, I'm done with the whole. I'm done. I'm done with this kind of thing because I just wish I'm, I'm just done with it going back and forth, going back and forth for me. The, this person, that person in the same voice. It, it just, I just, roof. I'm done. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's it for me. I'm done with that. It's okay. Yeah. We would have got one more song, then you won't have to open up the manual on the next album. Or will you? No, but, 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 but it's just so sad because I love Wasp so much, and you guys know that. You know what I mean? You're going to see this episode. It goes, oh, Andy's going to be, what a jerk, man. Da, 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 da. And you're like, oh, whatever. Well, <laughs> in, in your defense, Andy, like I, like I always go back to The Who, and like I mentioned with Tommy, okay, the original Tommy album release, you hear Roger Daltrey singing as the Acid Queen. I don't buy it. It doesn't sound like the Acid Queen. The Acid Queen is the insane character that Tina Turner brought in the movie because that is viable. But hearing Roger Daltrey singing about being the Acid Queen wasn't. That's where I actually had a, a thought about like comparing this back to Tommy again. It's like, was Tommy as an album a huge deal when it came out? Or was it, did it have, you know, just enough good singles that made it a big seller? And I'm not even sure how it sold initially, whatever. But, I mean, when people think of Tommy, they think of the movie more than they do the 1969 album. Because, really, I hate the 1969 album. I'm used to hearing Elton John singing as the pinball wizard. And I'm used to Tina Turner singing as the acid queen. And I'm used to, uh, you know... Uh, uh, Mooney singing as uh, Uncle Albert. Uh, what? Not Uncle Albert. What's his uncle? The uncle's name. Well, anyway, you know, I'm used to the other guys in the band singing into those other characters instead of having one voice singing all the way through. And this could actually be if they wanted to re neonize this album, they could actually go in and do some doctoring to where they brought in other voices to sing and left left Blackie as Jesse. You know, leave him in the, from the beginning to end as Jesse, but then bring in somebody with a sinister voice, you know, to be Judah and bringing in some females to be Mary and, uh, you know, even some of the disciples or making a group thing out of that. They could actually doctor this album back into where it would be just as good as the Tommy soundtrack. Well, I, I'm going to uh, I mean, uh, I wonder if Mike Duda could sing, you know, one of the guys. You know, sit there and sing. And I, you're right, though. They, they need he needs somebody. They need somebody else to sing some of this stuff. It just gets totally lost. And, you know, it is. And not it's like steal. homework. It's like a lot of homework, right? It's homework. Lots of homework. Lots of homework. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't want to listen to one person singing "Jesus Christ Superstar." You Hell know, no. It, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't work you know the wall works you know better than the movie because it's not so much well they've got multiple singers you know as well so that that always helps and they've got a little bit more help going on there but you know for what blackie's doing again on his essentially on his own with his musicians executing vision i think you know it is still admirable uh, even if you know it'd be interesting to see i mean you see schools do productions of kisses elder i mean what's give me what good catholic school would love to do uh you know <laughs> Uh, a stage production of the neon god because again the themes the themes are biblical 
you know, but they're also timeless, you know, that it is, uh, you know, these these themes do run the gamut. So I think it would actually make a, a very good school production, um, you know, where those multiple voices could be be heard. I, I don't know about going back in and dicking around with the multi-tracks and having, you know, different people do the voices because uh, yeah, it, I would, mean, that, it would be that, interesting. It's kind of a stretch, but, you know, really, I mean, as far as Blackie's performances on it, as Jesse, it's outstanding stuff. It's just, you could just move, it, it could possibly dumb. It gets a bit tiring hearing him trying to switch between these characters or not effectively switching between the different voices that are being spoken through his right. lyrics. And while you can read it and it's a, li a little bit more script-like, you know, and easy to follow there, as you just said, the lyrics aren't mixed in with the story. So it, if it's printed in order too, good Lord, there's so many of them that... The chorus is like two thirds of the way down the listing. You know, it's just where where you you'll read the first verse and then you look at the next line after the first verse and they go to the chorus, which is two thirds of the way through what they've got printed out. I think it's a real uh, bummer that they couldn't you know print the lyrics as the songs were recorded. If you put chorus in parentheses and then repeat it after that, fine, do that. But you know. Whoever did the uh, typesetting or whatever for this, yeah, maybe they should find another job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill, it'll take us into the last redemption, final song. Feel oh. me, see me, touch me. <laughs> you know, that's the thing is that he got to that point there, and it's almost in the same melody. It's really close to the same melody as that, and it's just like, okay, well. There's another who thing that I get to poke at him about. Uh, is it a happy ending? Uh, that's pretty subjective. You know, it depends on whose whose happiness you're looking for. I don't think that the uh, I don't think that Judah and the disciples are happy in the end. I'm not even sure if Jesse's happy in the end. It really, kind of leaves it wide open. And that's what yeah. I don't like. I don't like wide open endings. I want to know whether he's crucified on the cross, literally or figuratively. And I don't get that resolution uh, from it. And it's 13 minutes long. I mean, it actually flows pretty well structurally for such a long song. It doesn't feel like, say, an Iron Maiden song, like Empire of the Cloud. You're like, are we freaking over yet? You know, and you know, last time I went to a Maiden show, there there were some songs on there that I was actually looking at my watch. Uh, we're at a nine minutes. We're getting there. Um, so it wasn't that sort of painful 13-minute songs. Uh, but it seems to be the confession. And even after all the rage, still no one wants to hear. People are going to hear what they want to hear, no matter what you say, uh, what you do, uh, is the only message that I really get out of it, that your your only redemption that you're going to get from coming clean is with yourself, not with anyone else. So, you know, that that's pretty uh, vanilla. Andy? Geez, should I take down uh, all the pictures on my wall of people I have because they're not gods? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just basically saying, you know, don't put me on the pedestal because I'm no better than you are. You know, it's just kind of like that thing. Finally realizing, you know, this is not good. I'm not a good person because I did this and I got to get out of here. You know, that's what it seems to me. It sounds like musically wise, man. It's a long song, but it, like you said, it flows really good. 
uh, and I guess it leaves it open because I think Blackie, you know, likes to keep the things open about making you think. You know what I mean? He's, he's that. He always said he's like, oh, when he got into all this kind of doing this kind of music wise stuff that he said, oh, he always liked people to have their think and not like a finish, not an end, you know. But again, I'm not into religious stuff. So, you know, some people are and they can take it out as they worth it. You know, you want to be crossed crucified? I don't know. <laughs> you know, again, uh, what you like is somebody else might not like, right? That's what I said about putting people on the walls. So, but musically wise, man, it's really good. The flow's really good. The guitars are good. The drums are good. The bass is good. But again, Blackie's voice is just unbelievable. So like good, you know. But again, this, this comes right back to the same thing. The voice changes. Judah da 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 back and forth. But it's still Blackie doing all the speaking. Talk, I mean, singing basically. You know, it's too bad. But other than that. It's okay. I see. I think this is the one where where he separated Jesse and Judah the best. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you know there was there was points where Judah was in the speaking voice, and it was you could actually tell when Judah stopped talking and Jesse did or their point of view. And another thing, you know, you went through all the instruments, the orchestration and the arrangement of this whole record has been it's it's great. You know, you you don't get tired by the instrumental pieces in it, and like the Maiden stuff, sometimes you just get worn out totally by it. But I mean, it's all really cohesive. It all it's all played well, and it's mixed really well too. And I think part of in part of it now, thinking about it more now, because now it's making me think more. <laughs> that you know, you know, he he's the you know the god or whatever, and decides, oh yeah, this is bad, this is wrong, I'm leaving. There's always somebody behind you that's going to take over. So it doesn't matter. There's always going to be somebody behind you that thinks they're the one, you know? So they're going to take their spot. It's going to go on forever, you know? It's just it's just how it is. It's, it's like that in real life, you know? <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, there's always <laughs> night and day. There's always shadows in the darkness. There's always shining lights in the light without having to even get you know, religious about it. There's always positive. There's always negative. Always yin, always yang. It's just, it's called nature. It's binary, zeros and ones. Um, you know, at the at the very fundamental level, without bringing anything faith based into it. You know, so, um, Bill, final final song. I, I guess you kind of covered, haven't you? I started that one. You did. <laughs> I, I lost yeah, track. It was a 13-minute song, so I completely yeah, lost it. I did I did my Who impersonation with Feel Me, <laughs> Touch Me. You know? yeah, yeah, so here we are at, <laughs> at the end. I, I think I've already said that I, I, I don't get up in the morning and say, I'm going to listen to Neon God Volume 2 today. It's all or nothing. Um, same, either of you? Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't hesitate to drop some of these in a playlist. Definitely. Uh, the ones I mentioned, Single Worthy. Definitely could follow we'll the playlist. We will see how many make your list when you've got to come up with a list of twenty wasp songs for your best. Man, stuff that's going to be tough for, for me to uh, do the magic on to come up with the final list. I mean, Andy, <laughs> what about you? Do you get up in the morning and say I'm going to listen to Neon God the Rise today? No, not <laughs> in, in, you know. No, I just no. I mean, there are, they, and I have not like again. The drums are great. Lackey's voice is great, and everything else. But I. It just, 
like I said, there are other things besides just music-wise how I never got my hands on a copy right away. I had to get a copy of somebody else's, man. It made me mad. They weren't touring anymore in the United States. That pissed me off. Uh, you know, this, this those little things kind of come into the cracks, you know. For me, as a, you know, as a fan since early age, you know, since the early stuff, I mean, I didn't live in L.A., so I never get to see that part of it. But, you know, since I had heard them and saw them on the 1985, you know, when a friend of mine in the car, like, we were going to Springfield, Mass, to see Kiss on the Animalized tour, and a friend of mine, we're in his uh, Mustang, and another friend who was like five of us, it's like an hour and a half drive from here. And he goes, hey, this is the band that's opening up, man, check them out. And he put it in the, you know, the, the, the cassette <laughs> in his Mustang, you know, his old Mustang. And I'm like, wow, man, this is pretty wild. It, it Wasp opened up, and I was like, you know, it was general mission on the floor right there, and I'm like, wow, man, I had never, you know, besides seeing Kiss do theatrical kind of stuff like that, you know, seeing Wasp, man, you know, with the chain thing, and the, yeah, I know, and the assless chaps, you know, everybody's, oh, my God. <laughs> no meat throwing, though. Never got to see the meat throw, you know, so they had already got rid of the meat throw by then, I guess, or legally, like, I don't know. Anyways, we, we talk about that some other time when we get into that old stuff. Uh, but all this comes into the frame of, about this music because that's what for me drives me more until I want to listen to it more because I saw the tour I was able to pick up the album on the day it was released I get to slap it in my car you know I was one of those kids who used to cut class and I say it all the time used to like I said oh man in high school especially in the 80s right I'm like yeah forget this man I'm the new Wasp albums coming or new Kiss albums coming out man forget school man my dad I'm gonna be I'm gonna be either later I'm skipping school I'm going down to strawberries down to my mall, I'm going to wait until they open up at 10 o'clock, get the new CD, uh, you know, CD at the time or cassette, slap it in my car and drive around. That's what I like, you know. <laughs> but like now, you know, by 2004, you know, not, can't find it. Where is everything going? By 2004, what was the music in 2004? Nowhere, right? There wasn't much out in 2004. So, I don't know. So that's what drives me to like listen to some of the albums more than others. And that and that happens with every band, you know, even with Kiss stuff. I listen to certain albums more because it had something to do with my life more, you know. That's that's how I look at the Wasp stuff, man. You know, since the early years, yep. You know, on those tours I saw, yep. <laughs> no, so that's so it. It's, it's going to get interesting. It feels like this is a hump one has to get over when going through the Wasp catalog, that we've got to get over the neon god in order to get to Dominator. And then back on a string of, you know, three more studio albums, which if you think about um, the albums that come before this, then it's kind of easier to be talking about Unholy Terror and Dying for the World. Those episodes themselves obviously were really fun with the, the music because there was less... Did you print out the manual? Did you read the story before getting into it? You know, Here's your homework for a month just to be able to get through the album. You know. <laughs> well, and that's well, and the other thing is, you know, all of that stuff was online, and then apparently here, with all the activity that Wasp has been digging up lately, they completely reconfigured the website to where none of those archives are available anymore. I think the, the website is gone. Wasp Nation. I think it's actually totally gone. No, it's 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 all brand new. It's got all it's got all the stuff advertising all the European dates and stuff like that right now. But as far as the archives, when you can go back into there and like read all the lyrics and stuff like that, it's all gone. 
Now hopefully we get that sorted out. Uh, All right, that's it. Neon God, part two, the demise. We're done. (laughs) (sighs) Thank goodness. So (laughs) next episode, we're actually going to go back to the beginning, and we are going to talk about what Blackie's got planned for Europe, because... No dates have been announced for the United States yet, Andy. I'm sorry. Um, but we're going we're gonna to talk about our thoughts about that concept uh, and, and the stuff that we like. If we're going back to the beginning, that takes me back to a happy place. Go listen to some 83 bootlegs, some demo tracks, uh, you know, some interviews and all that, and come up with some thoughts around that area. So hopefully we will not be... Um, delaying another wasp episode for i don't know how many months it's been since the last one certainly been it was it was (laughs) september i think oh sorry everybody (laughs) well that's the thing is you know we get some of us got sick and some of us had car well more more than one of us i got got sick and i had car problems for three weeks in a row so life happens you know but yeah let's get back on the horse and be back in a couple weeks sounds good to me thank you for watching or listening to this episode Be sure to subscribe to us, like us, or even leave us a review. You can find us and join the conversation on Facebook.